Hey everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview Dane Baker, co-founder and CEO of EcoCart. EcoCart is a company on a mission to make the fight against climate change easy, affordable, and accessible. And they do this in two different ways. The first one is a Shopify plugin. This plugin is a tool that brands can easily activate in their checkout so that when customers are checking out, they can easily opt in to an offset by checking a box while they're checking out. The second product is a Chrome extension that instantly makes your online orders carbon neutral at no cost to you. So you go into the Chrome extension store, you add the extension, and while you're shopping at any of their 10,000 plus stores, it'll instantly offset the carbon footprint of that purchase. And in the episode, Dane and I will discuss what exactly inspired the idea for EcoCart, why he landed on a Shopify plugin as product number one, and why the browser extension is product number two. The key differences in marketing a B2B product, like the plugin, and a B2C product, like the extension. And lastly, the moonshot for a company like EcoCart. And before we jump into the episode, I just wanna remind everyone that this show is made possible by our sponsor, EAS. EAS, which is short for Environmental Air Specialties, creates one of the industry's most effective air purifiers. So, If you wanna learn more about what they're about, just click into our episode description and see how you can save $500 on their flagship air purifier. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dane Baker, co-founder and CEO of EcoCart. Dane, welcome to the show. Peter, man, thank you so much for having me. I'm a, a huge fan of the podcast and I'm really grateful to be here. Dane, let's start with the basics. What is EcoCart? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So EcoCart really is a suite of uh, software solutions that makes the fight against climate change easy, affordable, and accessible so that everyone can do their part. So we first set out to start the business and really our initial product idea and truly what became our first product is a Shopify app that any merchant who sells on Shopify can install into their store that basically gives their customers the opportunity to make their orders carbon neutral at checkout by simply adding a few extra cents to their order. And I can dive deeper into how that works, the calculation behind it, et cetera. I'm sure we have a ton of time to talk about that. And so that really is the first product is the Shopify app. And throughout that experience, we really saw such great adoption among consumers that we figured the next best product iteration for us as a company and really to be able to make the biggest impact in the world is actually to create a a consumer product. And so the next product we created is a Chrome extension. So any consumer can essentially add for free the EcoCart Chrome extension into their browser. And then basically when you're shopping at one of our, at this point, over 10,000 brand partners, be able to actually make your order carbon neutral at no cost to you as the consumer whatsoever. It's a really powerful tool, really excited about it. Launched very recently, basically like this past week. So very exciting news and we're we're really excited about, about the launch. And that's really EcoCart as a whole. It really is around this central mission of, again, making the fight against climate change easy, affordable and accessible so that everyone can truly do their part. 
Wow. Uh, I'm excited to dig a bit deeper into both of the products. But before we get into the details, I want to zoom out and get a sense around the different chapters that led to the EcoCart Eureka moment. I think contrary to a lot of the previous guests we've had on the show, you have really tiptoed between operator and investor. I can see on your LinkedIn, you founded a company before this. You also were uh, part of university scout funding, investing in a, a number of other early stage companies. So maybe give the listeners a little bit of context around what you were doing before EcoCart and ultimately what inspired the idea for this company. Absolutely. So I've really always had the entrepreneurial spirit. And so the last business that I was involved with and started along with my, my current co-founder actually was an online peer-to-peer rental marketplace business. So think like Airbnb, but instead of renting someone's home, you're renting their surfboard, snowboard, drone, bike, etc. And we really built a business from the beginning because we thought that renting in stark contrast to consumption was a far greater net benefit for the environment, especially as it relates to these high plastic items, kayaks, surfboards, etc. And so we built a business for that reason. And after a while, throughout operating the business, it just became incredibly complicated and expensive to be a sustainable brand. And so really figured there was this big gap in the market. And then kind of once we transitioned, we, we then set out to start EcoCard based on this idea, which really is central to the business as a whole and our mission and kind of how it all played into to EcoCart. Again, I, I actually, in between those two experiences, again, like you mentioned, had a little bit uh, of some experience in the investing world. I've always honestly thought about entrepreneurship, investing, um, and startups in general as a fantastic medium to make a big impact in the world. Really the kind of quickest and most effective way to to, to really make change and for the better for, for the world and, and this particular case, the planet. And so really always been heavily focused around that, always kind of had that idea in the back of my mind. And then EcoCart, as an idea came around, honestly, really the, the Eureka moment was due to the fact that we realized there was this massive complexity in the carbon offsetting world. It was a very, there was, it was completely opaque. There was nothing clear about it. We, even from a consumer's perspective, it, there was just no consumer education and we, feel, we felt like there was this big opportunity. So we figured e-commerce as a whole carries a massive carbon footprint. Everyone does it and increasingly so. And we figured there has to be a way to offset or, or, or neutralize or, or net out the, the negative impact that everyone's day-to-day activities really has on the environment. And, and it's truly only getting worse with as consumers are, are more and more hungry for the convenience of one to two day shipping or multi-hour shipping. It, it, it's, it's a huge opportunity. So we figured that with those two ideas coupled together, there was this huge opportunity to give consumers the opportunity and the option to really opt into a few extra cents at their checkout, or actually in this case, make their order carbon neutral for free, but opt into the EcoCar Chrome extension to really make little steps and have those little steps snowball into a big impact in the world. I love it. I want to 
zoom into product number one, the Shopify mm-hmm. plugin. Mm-hmm. And for the layperson listening, Shopify has this pretty large ecosystem of plugins and tools that enables store owners, brands to activate some type of function without having to develop it themselves. Like a really common one is, uh, and now it's going to change a little bit, but subscriptions. If you're a consumer product brand and you want to deploy some type of subscription payment plan where on some type of regular cadence, you're going to sell or send product to the customer, there's a plugin that handles that. There's plugins that help you donate a percentage of each transaction to a cause. And so broadly speaking, the plugin ecosystem is a really wonderful way for brands to quickly add sometimes deeply sophisticated function to their storefront without any technical burden or overhead. So Dane, give us a sense around why you thought Shopify plugin was the kind of best wedge into the problem area, right? What was that inkling that said, you know what, this would be a great first step, right? A great value proposition for brands to help them and subsequently the customers that shop at these stores to make a dent in the climate fight. I'm glad you asked. So really we figured that so the kind of the core thesis behind the Shopify app store and really all apps that are built around the e-commerce ecosystem it's kind of inherently to fulfill a need or a gap between the platform itself and what the consumer really wants or the merchant and so we figured and also coupled with that at the same time there's this huge element of convenience that goes along with it and so we figured the best way to truly make an impact is to make it as easy, as convenient, as frictionless, and in this case, completely free to the merchant as we possibly could to ultimately make the biggest impact that we had the potential to make. And so the Shopify app store in this case was the a, a fantastic way to, uh, a fantastic first wedge into that world. And so our now with the Shop, Shopify app, we're broadly building an e-commerce API around the same idea in Notion. And that's kind of the, 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 it's all really based around convenience and fulfilling a gap that we do, we, we truly felt that both merchants and consumers wanted. It makes sense. So if we take a peek under the hood, What's the one-on-one? How, how did it actually work? Was there a fee for brands to enable the plugin on some monthly basis? It just give a, a kind of general how-to on how the plugin worked both for the brand, for the consumer, and the math, the enabling math behind the scenes for EcoCart. Absolutely. So at its core, the amount of money, so as I guess to even back up even further, each each order online that's made has a carbon footprint associated with it. In each specific order, this carbon footprint is unique. And so the amount of money to basically offset that 
is also unique. And so we figured we had to, there are other solutions out there, maybe donation at checkout, maybe flat fee or planting a tree at checkout. These are all fantastic solutions. But we figured that there really had to be a way to neutralize, for a consumer to be able to neutralize their exact impact and down to a few cents, right, of their particular order to make it carbon neutral. So what we do and how it works is we look at a few factors of each order, specifically the shipping distance, the package weight, and the product type to be able to offset, to estimate the carbon footprint, and then ultimately offset the shipping and manufacturing of both both sides of that order. And so up to the point where the delivery reaches the consumer's doorstep, we're able to estimate and then be able to you know, offer that amount of money for the consumer to offset their, their carbon footprint. And so that's kind of how it works there on the calculation side. Now, again, we really focused on this being a simple and uh, convenient and free solution for the merchant because we wanted it to be as frictionless as possible and kind of almost a no-brainer for the merchant to install. And so we made it completely free for the merchant. So there's no cost whatsoever. The Basically how we make our money is with a flat 15 cent transaction fee that's baked into the amount of money that the consumer pays. And so on average, 90% of every dollar that we collect actually goes directly to the fund, to the projects, these carbon offset projects themselves that we hand select. And we're very proud of the fact that all of our projects that we hand select, firstly, they're verified and vetted by you know, the major carbon standards, gold standard, uh, carbon registry, et cetera. So, so there's, they're rigorously vetted. We go through thereafter, we hand select projects that we are able to have a close relationship to with the actual project sponsor to be able to get deep and transparent information, pictures, benefits, stories, videos, anything that the consumer would be able to to be very interested in terms of where their money is going. And so that's kind of how we, we thought about project selection. In addition to that, you know, all of our projects have co-benefits. So we are very proud of the fact that every project we select has an element of social good as well, whether that's protecting an endangered species of animal because we're protecting their habitat, or it's creating local jobs in a developing nation, for example. So we're really proud of that fact as well. Super interesting. On the calculation part, I've always been interested in the math because it's if you were to get into specifics, super hard to fully understand the footprint without some type of self-reporting from the company, right? Where are they manufacturing these things? What exactly is the operation or the, or the facility operation look like? The distance traveled from there to distribution center. So the way when you're trying to estimate calculations, is there some type of breakdown where do you start and you look at product category, like maybe a shampoo product that's pretty small in size or versus a Panasonic TV, right? Do you have any type of, of modeling here that helps your type of calculation distinguish product A from product B? How do you guys think about that particular challenge? Sure, absolutely. So yes, we, again, the shipping piece of the calculation is relatively straightforward. It's shipping distance and it's package weight. And there's a few other small factors such as the carrier type, but that's relatively straightforward. Now, where the the real nuance comes into play is the manufacturing piece is actually where we set ourselves apart from many of 
other solutions out there and alternatives to carbon offsetting. Everyone's really heavily focused on offsetting shipping. Now, we kind of take that a step further, actually. And you hit the nail on the head with the product category piece. We, we have we really spent the first nine months, even up to close to about a year of the business, and we're continuing to iterate on really building a robust and comprehensive database of various product types, and then their associated carbon emissions from manufacturing and other pieces of the of the life cycle. And so that's kind of really what, at its core, what drives the calculation from the manufacturing piece is, is this database. Now, we started off really with the Higgs Sustainability Index is kind of how it was like our baseline. Mm-hmm. And then we really did a ton more research. We consulted with climatology PhDs from the University of San Diego and UCSD, and even just layered in other kind of more industry-specific lifecycle analyses. But at, at its core, we spent a ton of time researching to come up with the best and most robust and, and accurate and, and comprehensive database that we possibly could to be able to drive these these calculations. At their core, of course, they are estimates, right? That's We don't mm-hmm. position them as to be, um, there's a, a, a million and a half nuances that go into each individual carbon footprint of, of, of really anything, especially as it relates to, to e-commerce and orders. But we pride ourselves on the fact that we do the best that we possibly can to make the estimate as accurate as possible. That's awesome. The last question I have on the plugin is if I'm a customer and I'm going through one of the the partner brands you work with that use the plugin, what does it look like for me? How does that manifest into my checkout experience? Yeah, exactly. So it gives, again, at its core, it gives the the consumer the opportunity to opt into a few extra cents to make their order carbon neutral. So, and, and, and what we've, another thing we came to realize throughout the process is that what's incredibly important, even probably in some cases more so than the core, just the nature of offering this to the consumer base is how it looks and feels within each individual merchant site and to fit their brand. And so what we've focused on heavily is almost kind of what we consider a white glove service to design and configure uh, EcoCart entirely into these merchants' shops. And so it gives, you know, we design it so it looks native to the actual brand and their theme and everything that goes along with their shop. And from the consumer side, it's incredibly seamless as an experience. We, we really focus on the frictionless ability to it. Not a lot of thought behind opting in. We, we wanted to make it as clear, simple, fast as possible so that consumers could get to can finish with their checkout and get on with their day as quickly as possible so that there was not a lot of truly just friction. And so we built, we tried to I guess, strike the right balance, right? Between mm-hmm. frictionless and also transparency in, in, in information for the consumer to know exactly where their money is going. And mm-hmm. so we think we've, we've struck the right balance there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you really nailed the positioning of the brand too. So you look at EcoCart, the, the nice thing about what that looks like in the checkout experience, I'm actually on the Shopify app store right now. And the example screenshot you have, someone's buying a Mary Jane booty mm-hmm. and right below that in your cart, it just says, hey, make your, make my order carbon neutral, 69 cents. And you can check it. It's an opt-in. And the closest apples to apples comparison I have here, I think it was with one of the airlines. The airlines are now starting to do this a lot more where you can 
click a little checkbox and choose to offset your flight. And so I, I really got to just tip my hat to how y'all thought about integrating the design element into the checkout experience. It's subtle enough that it doesn't undermine or compromise the brand or the design aesthetics of the brand, but prominent enough where you make it a super easy and clear call to action if you as the customer would like to opt in. So kudos Absolutely. to that stuff. It's awesome. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And and we've even actually done, we've even honestly taken it a step further than some of those screenshots where we're really qu- quite early in the process for us in terms of when we initially set up the app. I mean, we've even kind of gotten to it to a point where with, with we really had to with these larger store integrations and brands that we've been able to onboard, such as APL, Athletic Propulsion Labs, recently Siete Foods and others, we've really kind of honestly been able to nail the seamlessness in terms of how it looks and feels within a, a brand site. So so thank you so much. I really appreciate that, Peter. Mm-hmm. It's something we heavily focus on. Let's segue to, to product number two, because broadly, I've been really interested in what some investors have been calling this like meta layer over the internet creating extensions that integrate right with your extension or right right with your browser and work magic in interesting ways. Obviously, Honey is probably the most prominent example of this or Adblocker. Adblocker just works. Honey just automatically finds the best deals as you're shopping. So talk, talk to me a bit about what went into creating the extension and how it works for the average customer. Sure, sure. Absolutely. And, and just to even back up a little bit, the reason we built this is because it is really truly because we saw, saw such heavy adoption among consumers through operating a Shopify app. We saw in some cases, even up to 50 plus percent of, of any merchant's customer base opting in to check the box at checkout to make their order carbon neutral. We figured there was this huge opportunity to really make an even bigger impact um, by making a consumer product. and. In this case, we were even able to make the ability for the consumer to offset their carbon footprint completely free to them whatsoever. And so it does really operate very similarly to Honey. So you hit the nail on the head there. And it's, again, at its core, it's a Chrome extension. It's a free Chrome extension. It takes two clicks to install and then really follows. It sits within your browser as a consumer. And then anytime you're at any of our brand partner sites, and at this point, we have over 10,000 brand partners, it basically prompts you to click a button, make your order carbon neutral, and you check out like normal. And so there's no change in behavior from a consumer whatsoever. It it works incredibly seamlessly. And we operate in the same model as Honey. So we have these partnerships with brands. And in our case, what we're doing with the with the commission essentially is we're buying these carbon offsets that are directly related to each individual purchase. So we're calculating the carbon footprint and then offsetting that automatically so the customer doesn't even have to think about it. And then in addition to that, with the rest of the commission that we receive, we pass along to the consumer eco points, which they can use to further redeem for earth saving rewards, planting trees or giving clean water to families, or they can kind of use their eco points like cash and redeem them for gift cards at their favorite stores. Wow. All right. That's super interesting. I, I, I want to break this down into a couple pieces. One, mm-hmm. onboarding brands. Two, the economics. And then three, distribution, right? Because with the plugin, the beauty of, of that model is you 
sell to one brand and the brand is responsible for first uh, inviting customers to their site. You really don't have to take on the burden of that cost at all. The browser extension is a whole nother beast. So let's actually work our way backwards. 10,000 plus brands. <laughs> that is, that's insane. Tell me a little bit about how you managed to, to onboard an ecosystem of this size. Are there any, are there uh, existing partners that have, I don't know, a few thousand brands that you work with? So you get one yes and you activate several thousand. Hey, talk, talk us through the kind of behind the scenes hacks that went into onboarding 10,000 plus brands into the extension ecosystem. Absolutely. Yeah. And you very astute guess, to be honest, because that's exactly what it is. We're able to work with a partner, basically an affiliate aggregator who really aggregates thousands of partner brand partners for us to be able to ultimately tap into. And so we've been able to leverage that route, which has been a significant help on and weight off all our shoulders. But in addition to that, we even have myself and then some of the team members actually emailing brands quite honestly, every day to secure these affiliate partnerships with bigger brands that we admire and we want to work with. So any potential uh, merchant or brand that has an affiliate um, program, we are, we, if we haven't emailed you yet, we, you'll probably be seeing an email in your inbox relatively soon because we really <laughs> are knocking on doors, quite honestly, to get to, to uh, obtain these partnerships. That's awesome. And I'm guessing if I'm a customer, Will there be some indication in the browser that signifies if the brand is a partner, like a check mark or something that says, oh, yep, EcoCart uh, works here on this brand site? Absolutely. So it'll pr- basically prompt you in the same way that Honey does in the form of a pop-up. It, and it is very non-intrusive in the way mm-hmm. it works. So we really focus on that. But it does at its core pop-up whenever you are visiting or browsing on a site of ours that is a partner. And and so you can simply, again, just click the button and then your order will be made carbon neutral. You don't even have to think about it. You'll get an, a notification as soon as the, the kind of purchase has been confirmed, quote unquote, with how much you know, carbon that you have offset as the consumer from that purchase, the number of eco points you've received. And that can, of course, add to your kind of running total of your impact that, you know, you have as a consumer, you can choose which project that you donate to. We have the option right there in our extension. And it's, it's a really, we, we've focused heavily on the consumer experience. And, and, and so we think that this is kind of the best way to kind of, again, enable consumers to make small steps into really to snowball into a large impact on the world and and for generations to come, honestly. Mm-hmm. What about, let's say on, on part B of the question, the economics? Uh, I'm familiar mm-hmm. with credit cards, for example. Credit cards have a uh, function on interchange, mm-hmm. right? Every time a customer swipes, they get a very small portion of the kind of gross sale doesn't actually affect the customer. They don't see it being imposed on their final receipt. But that the credit card company is getting a small piece. Is that how it works here? Talk, talk us through kind of what the economics look like for a service like EcoCart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's relatively similar. Again, we have these partnerships with these brands who at their core, they pay out a commission to really any affiliate that brings them traffic or in some way helps aid the sale in some capacity. And so we're, that's really what we're tapping into and leveraging. 
there is a, a huge element of kind of psychological nudge between when a customer knows that their order will be made carbon neutral and there's no environmental impact behind their purchase. There is a, a relatively significant psychological nudge that we've seen proven out with the Shopify app in the form of card conversion increase. And that really kind of forced us to think about it in a, in a kind of a different way that psychological nudges are incredibly powerful. And in this case, help out tremendously for to, to ultimately convert on a sale. And so the commission is kind of how, is really the bread and butter. And what we're doing is what we're focused on is really using that commission for good in the world. That's amazing. And my guess is, and I know there are a couple of affiliate companies and there's, a, if you have an existing affiliate program, they're pretty transparent. Hey, you send a customer our way, we'll pay you X. If it converts, we'll pay you Y, which is similar to a marketing expense, right? So a brand is going to deploy funds on paid advertising in other ways, right? On Facebook, on Instagram, and they're going to pay some dollar amount per customer that gets sent them their way. And another one, if it can, if it converts, are commission fees with extensions meaningful? Are we talking like, like cents on the dollar? Are we talking a few dollars? What is what does it really look like at kind of ground zero on that front? I, I think I've been super interested to see because clearly Honey, <laughs> Honey nailed something right, mm-hmm. billion dollar plus exit. So I'm curious, like, what does it actually look like in the affiliate world? What did those commissions look like? Yeah. Yeah. So it's highly, to kind of set the table, it's highly variable between from brand to brand and from program to program. This, it's honestly quite complex in terms of how some of them are actually structured. There's kind of you know, a commission per click to actually get a con- consumer to your website. There's others that are a percentage of sale. So it's highly variable. And it, it is it's not even something that I can even really quite give an average, to be honest. It's really, it, it, I will, however, say that it is truly a volume game. It's something that we, you know, we as a company, quite honestly, it, it's, it, it's really for the good of the planet. <laughs> In short, it's, you know, we're, we're focused heavily on growth now. And we're, again, just launched the actual extension itself. So it's now, it's really, it truly is a volume game. So we're trying to, you know, obtain and really onboard into this platform as many customers as, as possible. Mm-hmm. That's a, a great opportunity to piggyback into part three of my initial question, which is distribution, right? Because now, um, super, super different challenge than trying to get a storefront to activate a plugin. How do you think about showing the world what the EcoCart Chrome extension is, browser extension is? What has been your thinking around acquisition strategy in the extension world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's again, it's wildly different from the first um, product. And so we've had to kind of shift mindset to be able to effectively uh, B2C acquisition, which has been a really interesting endeavor to think about. What we've really heavily been focused on is word of mouth and organic growth. So far, we've seen that be a huge driver. We have kind of what we you know refer to as a referral program. And what we'll do is actually plant trees for users who refer their friends and their communities. So organic growth in that regard is, we think, going to be a huge driver 
for this Chrome extension. And it, 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 at its core, what we're focusing on doing is really building a community of advocates and champions for for EcoCart as a whole. And whether that's, hey, tell your favorite brands about EcoCart so they can install our app into their checkout flow to then enable their customers to make the order carbon neutral or, hey, install our, our free Chrome extension. So it really is about building a community of champions around EcoCart and the mission. That's awesome. I want to segue a bit to the broader take around getting people to, to offset, prioritizing this type of thinking. So part of the solution narrative assumes that consumers are inherently self-centered, right? So the idea of paying more for something is this almost nauseating consideration. The other part, and I think to your point and what I've heard in other episodes is when positioned properly is a super effective mechanism to A, kind of check the box of buying what you want and then checking the next box of feeling good about the purchase because it's going to something beyond the, phys- the physical item. What is your broader take on the narrative of asking the consumer to pay more versus kind of putting the burden of that responsibility on the brand or enterprise and the c- customer never seeing that type of optionality. Yeah, absolutely. That is really, it's an important question to ask. And I guess our take on it is it's, it really is the responsibility of everyone, quite honestly. And it's the responsibility of everyone from the, from the company's perspective to have this as a focus to build processes and infrastructures from the ground up with this in mind. And it's also the responsibility of the consumer to choose the right brands and and really vote with their dollars in the right way to ensure that their money, their decisions are making an impact in the world in the right way versus completely the opposite wrong way. And so it it is truly a mix of responsibility. And that's kind of how we're thinking about the, the product suite that we are building. Mm-hmm. I, I want to give you the opportunity to shout out a couple fan favorites. What we do on a typical episode right before the idea graveyard is just kind of zoom out and get a sense of what you as a founder and operator in the space have seen across maybe early stage ventures, research projects. What are you know one or two of the most interesting uh, startups, research projects, ventures that are taking on any part of the climate problem set. Yeah, absolutely. It's there's a lot, and I, I think that we're now in a point in time where this is becoming something far more prominent. Now, being involved in kind of the San Francisco startup scene, the whole the quote unquote Silicon Valley world, it's really interesting to see what some of these companies are doing. I have, there's a few companies that I personally admire and, and kind of quite honestly fanboy over like Project Ren, for example, who's doing really interesting things around verification of different projects through AI technology and Pachama as well, both together 
doing some really interesting things. So in addition to that, there are some real, there are brands out there that I highly admire, such as Grove Collaborative and Outer Known, others who are doing a lot of really interesting things for the world and building sustainability into their business from the ground up. Interesting. What is I'm familiar with the first three. What is Outer Known? It's a, it's, a, it's a clothing brand that's kind of very focused on sustainable practices and, and how they build their products. Love it. The last question before the idea graveyard is the moonshot for EcoCart, right? If all the stars align three, four years down the road, what do you hope uh, EcoCart can accomplish? What is the moonshot for the company you're building? Wow. Yeah. I think that we are truly focused on building products, a suite of products to, to really enable everyone to make significant changes in, in impact. So ideally, the moonshot for us would be just kind of truly what we're, we're trying to do is power the shift towards sustainable shopping and sustainable, in this case, we're starting off with e-commerce. And so that's really how we're thinking about the start. But the sky truly is the limit with sustainable practices in general. I think that there's a lot of interesting things being done out there. And for us, it's just kind of how do we power this movement? as a whole. And so that's really kind of how we're thinking about the moonshot opportunity. That's amazing, man. All right. I've been teasing it for the last few questions, but now it's time to to tinker on your idea graveyard. If, if you're unfamiliar, th- this notion of the idea graveyard is the laundry list of ideas you have rotting away in your notes app, right? Maybe at one point you thought, would be the next billion or trillion dollar idea in hindsight were terrible or conversely um, that could be pretty good. You just don't have the time to work on any of them. So my question for you is what are one of these ideas that you would love to work on if you had the time to do so, but instead is just rotting away in your idea graveyard? I love this question. That's fantastic. I I love here, by the way, I'm a huge fan of podcasts in general. I love hearing people's idea graveyards. It's a great end milestone or capstone to the podcast. So <laughs> I'm quite honored to be even be asked this to be on the podcast in general. But no, honestly, I, 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 you're right. Having had, like I mentioned, the entrepreneurial spirit, I've always been really interested in entrepreneurship as a vehicle for making change in the world and call it having a footprint bigger than my foot kind of no pun intended with the carbon footprint idea, but really I've always been super interested in kind of the psychology behind these subtle nudges that I was alluding to earlier and how to get consumers to do certain things. So, uh, you know, I've had a few ideas in that realm and then ultimately kind of settled into, into something that was at the, at the intersection of what I find to be two powerful trends. Now, these psychological nudges as it relates to consumer purchases, but also doing good for the environment. And so, I don't know, so, some ideas we've, we've had have, you know, and, 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 and again, we're, we're trying to build this, this product suite. So I think that as time goes, you'll start to see we toy with different ideas as it relates to this mission. And I think that I'm really excited to see some of the, some of the opportunities out there as time goes on. 
Rock on. I don't know if you wanted to tease, are there any, it doesn't have to be a separate entity altogether or a product, but any of these ideas around psychological nudges, is there any eureka moment or observation you made there, a design aesthetic, decision, messaging? I'm curious if, if you feel comfortable, are there any of the above you feel uh, comfortable teasing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that a, a few ideas in the past have been around the kind of almost gamification of rewards for consumers. And so I've had a few ideas around how to, and there's a lot of interesting work being done around that currently, but you know, a, a while back at the kind of intersection of, was really honestly quite inspired by Starbucks and other companies like Chipotle who have these robust and very successful rewards programs and kind of applying that to the broader e-commerce scale with different partnerships. I thought that at one point that was a really interesting idea. I still do and and you know haven't quite kept up with that, but I'm sure some really interesting work is being done there. So kind of focused on that as kind of just like, you know, an inherent idea or something that I find interesting as a way to get consumers to ultimately, again, psychologically nudge them to act in some way or another. And and I think that there's interesting ways that we can build that type of structure into our product line. So I think that you'll be seeing something to that effect come from EcoCart here relatively soon. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Uh, on the Starbucks example, they have been by far the most highly lauded rewards program, at least in food and beverage more broadly, over the last decade. And I think up until recently, I was convinced that was true. But the devil's advocate in me wonders to what extent the success of the program or just rewards in general is because of the mechanics versus the sheer breadth of the Starbucks footprint. Because the fact of the matter is, if you're a coffee drinker, uh, you can assume that you're going to drink at least one cup a day, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the the key decision you're making as a coffee drinker is, do, do you take the time to brew yourself a cup at home or to pick up one from a nearby retailer? And there's quite literally no other coffee brand that even comes close to the Starbucks pro- footprint, maybe beyond Dunkin' Donuts. But if you just think of that and and you don't want to take the time to brew yourself a coffee and you can just walk outside and go to a Starbucks that's on the corner of your street or a couple minutes away, I wonder to what extent the convenience is the key driver of of repurchasing outside of the product quality and other features versus and like how much that is kind of confounding or confusing principle that in many ways overhypes the quality or success of the Starbucks rewards program. Like I to take this a step further, I wonder if Starbucks is giving away money they don't have to give away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like how much of my loyalty is going to change if I don't get a free drink on every eighth or tenth purchase once I've accumulated enough stars. I, anecdotally speaking, I don't think that my behavior would change. I don't want to speak on anyone's behalf, but you know, I can walk outside of my apartment right now and there's three Starbucks within two blocks of me. <laughs> I'm going to go. So it's just an interesting thought. I have no idea whether or not I'm right or wrong, but sure. I'd be curious to see 
how much the the Starbucks reward program is overhyped and if in actuality they're giving out way more money than they than they need to. Interesting. There should be some research done on this. I'm sure I'm sure some college student right now is listening to this and, and hopefully they're gonna do their their <laughs> dissertation on this. Right. They there's nothing left to do but roll the red carpet. Are there any final call to actions, hiring needs, anything that you want to leave with our listeners? The floor is yours. Thank you. I So again, like I mentioned, I think that the biggest one is last week we launched our Chrome extension and we were running this. We, we, we launched on Product Hunt, had a really interesting, honestly, a great turnout. We were really excited and, and enthused behind it uh, about it. And we ran, because we ran this almost like a campaign, we were planting a tree for every install for that week. Now, I, what I'll do is I'll even continue that for, for whenever this episode airs. I will, we, we as a company will do, will run that same um, program to every single install that we get on the Chrome extension for that week, we will plant a tree. And so now that comes down to the, the your, your listeners to install, but also sharing with friends. And so uh, again, we have that referral program that we're um, really excited about. And so any, again, any install, we will plant a tree for um, the entire week that this episode airs, specifically as an In Good Hands exclusive. Hell yeah. All right, y'all. He's quite literally challenging us to beat the product hunt clout and muscle that probably planted thousands of trees. So we got to step up to the plate, fam. (laughs) Congrats on so much of your early success here. I wish you nothing but the best. I'll be cheerleading from the sidelines and we'll have to do a round two next year once y'all are powering millions of browsers across the world. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Peter. It was fantastic to chat with you today. (laughs) Take care, man. Hey there, you made it to the outro. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you're new here, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much. We're actively casting for new guests on our show. So if you have a rockstar founder or company in mind that's working on something cool, message me on Instagram at Peter A. Levin or email us hello at ingothands.us. Thank you so much again and look forward to bring you another new episode next Tuesday.